Thanks for listening to another message from Life Christian Church. We hope it challenges and encourages you and helps you to grow in your faith. Don't forget, download our app to stay up to date with what's going on at Life. Share your prayer requests or pray for others. Read the Bible online and much, much more. Simply search for Life Christian Church in your app store. My message for today is titled Focus. I think there's something about focus and true focus that actually sees these things play out in our life. And so I don't want focus message, this focus message, just to be about theory today. But my prayer is that something would grab you today that you can take with you into your week. That there would be things that you can talk about at lunch that's not just how I mispronounced a name or a city. I hope that there's something that you can take with you today that can help you in your faith journey. And there's a couple of different ways we can look at focus. We have focus that we can look at like uh, with a camera when we're working with a camera. And focus is very much the image we have, we're adjusting the focus because we've got an image to work off. So we're wanting to bring clarity to something, so we're adjusting the focus to it. But then there's another sort of focus that we can have. And this is a focus that is giving attention to something or a particular detail without considering clarity. Uh, for example, the whole, uh, the whole reason behind my Woolies mission was to get snack chocolate. I got to the car park, I walked in through the doors, I went to the confectionery aisle, I grabbed the snack chocolate, I went to the checkout, went back to my car. Not that I know the process very well. But it's nearly like I'm so fixed on that thing that that's just my focus. And the rest of the things, they just, they're just blurry. They're just a blur. They don't really count. And so I'm focused on this thing. And that is a way that we can look at focus also. So they're quite different, but they're not unrelated. For anybody that's spoken to me for any length of time, you may know that I like snack chocolate. No, you may know that I don't mind a little bit of mountain biking. Uh, I quite enjoy it. I love it when you're flying down a trail. It's a bit rough, a bit rocky, a bit steep. You've got tears coming out of your eyes um, because the wind's in them, hopefully not because you've crashed and you're in pain. But you're flying down a trail, some tears flying out, uh, sometimes I pretend I'm as cool as Connor DeBoer and put goggles on so that, so that the wind doesn't get in my eyes, but I'm not always feeling that cool, so that's just sometimes. But you can nearly rate a trail based on how many tears flow out of your eyes coming down it. And what I've noticed is that the steeper a trail is and the more challenging and technical it is, the harder it is to focus. And sometimes I'll get to the end of a trail with my mates and they'll say, oh, did you see that cheetah line off to the right of that jump? Or did you see the A line on that drop section? Did you see that awesome view when was coming down that ridge? Did you see that view? Looking at a few people that probably know what I'm talking about. When, when you're coming down that ridge, did you see that view? And with all honesty, I'll say, I didn't really notice it. They're like, you what? You didn't really notice I was just so focused on the trail in front of me, just navigating the obstacle directly in front of me, navigating that well and safely, that the rest, it didn't really come into my vision in the conscious state. It was just there, but I, it took all my effort to concentrate on what was in front of me. And for some of us, that's what life feels like, doesn't it? 
where what is just directly in front of us, that's taking all our attention, that's taking all our focus, and there's a sense of, I'm just trying to navigate this thing well, so my eyes are down, and I'm just going for it. And I think we can miss out on a few opportunities that God has for us if we do that. But today isn't so much about opportunities. It's about us personally and our focus on God. Because the focus we have on God, it changes outcomes for us personally, but it also changes outcomes full stop. And there's somebody that I want to look at in the Bible today. Actually, before we do that, I'm, there's a passage that is really popular. And do you ever go, gee, we hear about that passage a lot, and that's all you say? What about if it was... See, we hear about that passage a lot. There must be a lot of times we need to hear it. Hebrews 12, 1 to 3. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter, of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. And for here, the focus that we need to run this race, well, I asked, does life sometimes feel like a race? Yeah, things are moving fast. Sometimes it does. And sometimes it feels like it takes some persevering. But we need to fix our eyes on Jesus. And the outworking of this is that we wouldn't grow weary and we wouldn't lose heart. And with a camera, one of the hardest um, times to get a clear photo is when the subject or you are moving quickly. So when there's a lot of speed involved, so whether you're moving quickly because you're in a moving vehicle or whether your subject's moving quickly because, say, you're trying to get a photo of a bungee jumper. And so it's really hard to get a clear shot of that. And there are many other reasons that you may get a blurry shot or not in focus shot. But I find when things are moving quickly, it's really hard to get a clear picture. I fear that in this day of iPhone and Android that I may be missing a little bit in, this, in what I'm portraying for this um, example because our phones do so much for us that they're doing thousands of calculations every second so that they can provide a really in-focus shot. Like I could flick my phone out right now and move it and get a shot that's somewhat okay because it's doing all this stuff in the background but without that autofocus, that is just going to be a blurry mess. But imagine if we could have an autofocus where you just highlight that square, track that spot. In fact, some cameras are so good that they can predict where the next part of the frame of the photo is that you're going to want it to be focused on. That's pretty clever, isn't it? And imagine, awesome, thank you, got one, yeah, it is, it's very clever. And so imagine if in life you just found something that you want to focus on and it's as simple as drawing a square around it. 
Unfortunately, it's not that simple, but fortunately, it is possible. And that's what I want to talk about today, this idea of focus in a world that is moving so quickly. We hear about it all the time. We live in the information age. That uh, what would take once 26 weeks and six letters to write to somebody to get to know them a bit can now happen in 60 minutes and six emails, even faster. That what was once going to the State Library every two weeks and rolling in there and fact-checking, now we fact-check by unlocking and hitting it into Google. Like, life moves at a very different pace. Commercial aeroplanes, just 100 years ago, they were lucky to reach 200 k's an hour they had to fill up at least every two hours. And most of them didn't have toilets on board. Think about that for a moment. Gee, you'd want to make sure the food you ate before that was all right. Imagine, don't imagine anything. <laughs> we leave Sydney, we get to Los Angeles. 14 hours later, 12,000 kilometres, doing it in luxury, we move at a really different pace. The, uh, the big um, aircraft carriers, they travelled at about 28 k's an hour. Um, they now move at about 56 k's an hour. They move at a very different pace. It's twice the speed. But actually, aircraft carriers, by 1950, they were travelling at what they are now. So in 30 years, aircraft carriers have doubled their speed. The world moves at a very different pace. Recently, I had to purchase a new rear mountain bike wheel, which was a sad time, but I was fortunate enough to jump online, um, found the wheel that I wanted in the UK. By the time I'd found it, ordered it, paid for it, had it to my door, seven days free freight out of the UK, the world moved at a different pace. Didn't even have to use a fax machine. Can you believe it? Seven days, UK to my door. It really does move at a different pace. And I talked about before that when we needed the greatest focus, when we're looking for the greatest clarity, it is when we're moving the fastest. And that is definitely the world that we live in today. And I'm not saying that there's, it hasn't been a challenging world before now because that's just a stupid statement to make. There have always been challenges. And we're about to look at a passage that's actually set at a time where we've got some bad things happening, but out my back door is not a war-torn city. Like, we've got some bad things, you know, there are bad things happening around the globe, but as far as my backyard goes... Actually, I've got a lot that I can learn from the passage that we're about to read. And I want to talk about King Jehoshaphat. Sounds a bit like cursing someone, doesn't it? Like, ah, Jehoshaphat. Like, I don't know what my Jehosh is, but I hope it's not fat. It's like Jehoshaphat, remember that. It's a, a name, I may mispronounce that at some time today, forgive me for that. But I think we've got so much to learn from Jehoshaphat, from the way that he led Unfortunately, the way that he finished up as king wasn't great and his son took over the reins and uh, was not in line with God's heart. But there's so much that we can learn from Jehoshaphat and the way that he led the people of Judah. So he was the king of Judah. And I want us to pick straight up. Now, there's a little bit of reading today, but it is broken up through different sections. So please bear with me. 
in 2 Chronicles 20, 1-4. After this, the Moabites and Ammonites with some of the Meonites came to wage war against Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat, I've done it already. Feel free to count on your phones, tally it up. Some people came and told Jehoshaphat, a vast army is coming against you from Edom, from the other side of the Dead Sea. It is already in Hazes and Tamar, that is Engedi. Alarmed, Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord and he proclaimed a fast for all Judah. The people of Judah came together to seek help from the Lord. Indeed, they came from every town in Judah to seek him. And like this, talk about solid leadership. So Jehoshaphat, he knows that there's this vast army, an army that's really intimidating, coming against him. And his first response is to seek God. And my point number one is this. Focus on God means our first action is prayer. When we get bad news or good news, when we're in a hard season or a smooth season, is our first response prayer... Even this morning, I wake up and in me there's this battle that my brain's just saying, memorise notes, memorise notes. But it's like, no, I can't do that without praying. It's like, this is exactly what I'm speaking about. Our life can sometimes distract us. The thing that we have right in front of us can distract us from our first response, from our first reaction, our first action being prayer. But focus on God means our first action is prayer. Philippians 4, 6-7, another super popular one I know. But gee, I'll say it again and again until it sinks into the level where at every situation that I'm struggling to God, this is first and forethought. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So what is our first response when we're focused on God? It is to pray. So they've met together, they've sought God. And in, in, uh, I won't bother saying the full reference, but in verse 5 to 9. Then Jehoshaphat stood up in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem at the temple of the Lord in front of the new courtyard and said, Lord, the God of our ancestors, are you not the God who is in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. Power and might are in your hand and no one can withstand you. Our God, did you not drive out the inhabitants of this land before the people of Israel and gave it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? They have lived in it and have built in it a sanctuary for your name, saying, if calamity comes upon us, whether the sword of judgment or plague or famine, we will stand in your presence before this temple that bears your name and will cry out to you in our distress and you will hear us and save us. So all that's happened here, they know a vast army is coming. They've sought God. There's nothing more that has happened here, but yet they have the confidence to say, you will hear us and save us. And focus on God brings confidence. Focus on God brings confidence. So they've met together, they've prayed, and then in verse 10, 
But now here are men from Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, whose territory you would not allow Israel to invade when they came from Egypt. So they turned away from them and did not destroy them. See how they are repaying us by coming to drive us out of the possession you gave us as an inheritance? Our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. And here, the focus they have on God, it builds faith, it builds trust, it builds confidence. They gather together, they seek God, they pray, that confidence grows where they can make a faith statement that says, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. They're saying, God, we know you've got this. And so what does focus on God look like in your life? It looks like exactly making this statement. This is exactly what it looks like. That regardless of what's going on in your life, in my life, that we would know that our eyes are on God doesn't have to be figuring out the solution to our problem because God's got it and God's got us. In verse 15 to 17. And uh, here we have Jehaziel the Levite. And he stands up. So they've met together. They've sought, they've sought God together. And Jehoshaphat, he said, We don't know what to do, but our eyes are on, the, on you. And then God brings this word to them through Jehaziel. So in verse 15 to 17, he said, and this is Jehaziel said, Listen, King Jehoshaphat and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow, march down against them. They will be climbing up by the pass of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the gorge in the desert of Jeriel. You will not have to fight this battle Take up your positions, stand firm, and see the deliverance the Lord will give you, Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Go out to face them tomorrow, and the Lord will be with you. And the, the interesting thing about this is that unlike focusing a camera lens, where you focus it so that you get clarity of picture, this is quite the opposite. This is a focus that doesn't actually give that much clarity. What did God tell them to do? To go out tomorrow. And so often we can get stuck where we're saying, God, I need more clarity to step into what you have for me. When that's not actually God's intention all along. His intention is to give us just enough clarity to take the step that we need to take today. And so here, focus on God. It brings just enough clarity for the step that we need to take. Go out and face them tomorrow. They've sought God. They've prayed. The Jehaziel has given them this encouragement from God. And God gives them all these details. Go out tomorrow. But what about what happens then? 
What direction do they come from? How does that look? How does this work? What about six months' time? In six months' time, where will we be then? God, you need to give us a bigger picture than this. But this is all God gives them, and the focus on God allows them to step into this. There's a, Father John Kavanagh went to work with Mother Teresa in Calcutta um, at the Home for the Dying Destitutes in Calcutta. And he went to work with Mother Teresa, and the first morning, the first week he was there, he went to Mass, they went to Mass together, and after Mass, he, he met with Mother Teresa. And he sits down, that would be a pretty special thing, wouldn't it? Sitting down with Mother Teresa that did so much, that acted with such conviction. And so Father John, he sits down with Mother Teresa. And this is what Mother Teresa says, says, what can I do for you? And Father John says, can you please pray for me? Pray that I have clarity. And Mother Teresa said, no. That would be a bit of a, hang on, didn't you just ask me what I want? And I've asked for a really legitimate thing. I want clarity. Mother Teresa says, no. And when he asked why, she announced that clarity was the last thing he was clinging to and had to let go of. When he commented that she herself had always seemed to have the clarity he longed for, she laughed. And she just said, I have never had clarity, but what I've always had is trust. And so I will pray for you that you will have trust. And this is what happens when we have focus on God. It brings trust, which gives just enough clarity to what we need to do today. The saying, you can only move a steering ship, or um, you can't steer a ship if it's, if it's stuck in the docks, it's a great saying. And the amount of times that we can park our ship up because we don't have full clarity or we can't see where it's going to end up in four months' time, six months' time, ten months' time, and we're looking for this clarity so we just park up, it's not actually what God has in store for us. But a focus on God brings a trust that says, regardless of whether I can see a quarter of the step you have for me or I can see five steps in front, I'm just going to step in faith into what you have. And a focus on God allows us to do that. In Psalm 46 and 10, he says, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations and I will be exalted in the earth. And we can look at this as being still like parking our ship up, putting it in the docks, but it's not actually what's being said here. This being still is actually about not fighting the battle that was never intended for us to be fighting. It sounds a whole lot like, do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army, for the battle is not yours, but God's. I think many people need to hear that today. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army, for the battle is not yours, but it is God's. I love the way that the NASB puts Psalm 46 and 10. Stop striving, let go, relax, and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted on the earth. And it's just understanding what does God want us to do and what's actually his to fight and resting in that. It's actually an active statement. It's not saying park your ship up. 
as saying, no, set sail, but don't fight into the things that I didn't intend for you to fight into, but allow me to do the fighting for you. As we move into uh, 2 Chronicles 20, verse 18, and so they've met together, they've had this word to go out. So Jehoshaphat bowed down with his face to the ground, and all the people of Judah and Jerusalem fell down in worship before the Lord. Then some Levites from the Co- from, sorry, from the Kohathites and Korahites stood up and praised the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud voice. Hang on, they stand up and they praise in a very loud voice, but God hasn't delivered them yet. They haven't seen how this thing plays out yet. They seek God, there's a trust that builds, a trust that grows, and they worship because they know that God has got this. Focus on God allows sincere worship. Focus on God allows sincere worship. And I think in the times that we live, this is a really important point. That if we're going to have sincere worship, our focus needs to be on God. And this is how it plays out. Straight into verse 20. Early in the morning, they left for the desert of Tekoa. As they set out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Listen to me, Judah and people of Jerusalem. Have faith in the Lord your God and you will be upheld. Have faith in his prophets and you will be successful. After consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise him for the splendor of his holiness as they went out at the head of the army, saying, Give thanks to the Lord, for his love endures forever. And I've actually left this in today for no other reason that then there is somebody here today that needs to hear God's love endures forever. That is the only reason I've left this piece in this to bring today because there's somebody that God just wants you to know that his love endures forever. Pastor Rose mentioned before, actually, Lamentations 3, 22 to 23. The faithful, Lord of, the faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. And God's compassion and mercies in that he treats us not like how we deserve, but he treats us with compassion that his love endures. That regardless of what the day looks like, that every morning his mercies are fresh and new. And even if we happen to be in Alaska where the sun's not up for another month and it's still dark, when that clock ticks over morning, God's mercies are new. Every morning. Every morning, God's new mercies are new. And you know what? God's mercies will get you through today. He calls you into the step that he wants you to take. And when you're focused on him, the faith is there that you can take it. And his mercies will actually uphold you every day. That's just for whoever that's for. I pray that right now that that hits you, that that touches you, that that reshapes something in you now that you would just know that God's love endures forever. And so here we see the outworking of it. Second Chronicles 20, 22 to 25. As they began to sing and praise, 
Imagine this, the army's gone out. God's given them the strategy. Go out. They're out. They sing, they praise. The Lord sets ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir who were invading Judah, and they were defeated. The Ammonites and Moabites rose up against the men from Mount Seir to destroy and annihilate them. After they finished slaughtering the men from Seir, they helped to destroy one another. So the armies that were coming against them, they've turned on each other. The battle's gone. The battle belongs to God. God has brought the victory. God has brought the answer in verse 24. When the men of Judah came to the place that overlooks the desert and looked toward the vast army, they saw only dead bodies lying on the ground. No one had escaped. So Jehoshaphat and his men went to carry off their plunder. And this is... I just can't get my head around this. Thinking of the numbers... And so Jehoshaphat... Jehoshaphat and his men went off to carry their plunder and they found a great amount of equipment and clothing, articles of value, more than they could take away. And with their vast number, it took three days to collect it all. This is amazing. What was the military strategy? Go. Their focus on God actually changed the outcome. And for us, and it's not about focusing on God for the outcome to change. That's a bit like working with a camera where we're looking at the big picture and so we're trying to adjust our focus because of what we see and result. But actually it's about focusing on God because he's worthy to be focused on. But as we do these things, God changes the outcome. They never could have come up with that plan on their own. Who would? That's craziness. That's foolishness. But yet the ultimate outcome came by their ultimate focus, which was on God. Love to ask the team to come back up as I'm about to finish. Focus on God changes the outcome. Verse 26. On the fourth day they assembled in the valley of Berica, where they praised the Lord. This is why it is called the valley of Berica to this day, as in valley of praise. They gave thanks. They were intentional. You know, we, we are focused on God, but sometimes we'll, God will answer prayers and we just move straight into asking for the next thing. God is doing things all the time, but we can be so distracted by the obstacle that's directly in front of us that we lose our thankfulness. Focus on God. It keeps us being thankful. God brings these outcome changes, but we need to make sure that we're intentional. When's the last time that you thank God for what he did yesterday? When's the last time that you thank God that he allowed you to get out of bed this morning? When's the last time that you thank God for who he is, for his character, for his nature? Just like we read back at the start of this passage, where their focus on God looked like thanking God for all God's characteristics and nature, thanking God for who He is. So focus on God, it keeps us being thankful. How do I know how my focus is looking? How's my thankfulness looking? Gee, I can whinge about the seven businesses I visited before church this morning and things I could have been done better, but man, don't ask me to be thankful. The things that stand out are the things that I wish were different, 
What about the things that I'm thankful for? But when our focus is on God, just like we see this group of people, that they just say, God, thank you. That's how we will live too. So today my prayer and an encouragement for you is that you would know the fullness of what it is to be truly focused on God. And that perhaps today there's some things that God wants to shift or he's highlighted. That's great. It's actually a great place to be. Because the reason that God wants you to be focused on him is because he knows this is the best place you can be. Because the world, it is moving at a rapid rate of knots. We're not going to gain full clarity. We're not going to gain perfect vision. But we don't need it. We just need enough to get us through each day. And we can trust that God will bring the outcomes when we're focused on Him. Not outcome focused, but God focused and God changes the outcomes. So please be encouraged today. If you're feeling uh, challenged or if you'd like somebody to pray with you, um, I will be up the front and love to ask Jason Overton to come and join me up the front to pray with you also. So we'll be up the front. If you want prayer today, please do come forward to finish with the six points. Point number one, focus on God. It means our first action is prayer. Point number two, focus on God, it builds faith, it builds trust, and it builds confidence. Point number three, focus on God brings just enough clarity for the step we need to take. Step, point number four, focus on God allows sincere worship. Point five, focus on God, it keeps us being thankful. Point number six, focus on God changes the outcome. Let me pray and then we're going to finish with a song. God, we thank you for your word that is a lamp to our feet. God, we thank you that you give us just enough clarity to know where to put our toe. God, I pray that we wouldn't get caught up needing to know all the details before making a move, that we would be stopped in our tracks, that we would be distracted by the obstacle and the opposition and forget that you're greater than anything that can be thrown our way. God, I thank you that you highlight these things to us because you love us. I thank you that your love does endure forever, that your mercies are new every morning, that they don't expire, they don't have a use-by date. And God, I pray that we would know what it is to walk in the fullness of you, of your mercy, of your love. God, I pray that you would help us be focused on you in an increasingly fast-paced world. God, I pray that we would never be too busy to pray, that we would never be too busy to worship, that we would be never too busy to be thankful. God, I pray that you would convict our hearts 
when we need to redirect our focus, when we need to lift our eyes to you again. God, I thank you that it is through you that all things are possible. God, I thank you for every life that is in this room. May we know what it is to walk so closely with you that nothing stands between us and our focus on you. And all these things we pray in your name, acknowledging that it is only you that makes it possible. Amen.